<laughs> I mean, I've definitely seen people lift weights where they're not lifting weights. <laughs> Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host, Oscar Fuchs. So today's episode is about fitness. And if you're like me, and you're the kind of person whose first instinct when walking up to the reception area of a gym or a fitness studio is to turn around and walk away again, then please don't do so now. I promise that today's show will be fun both for fitness freaks and couch potatoes alike. My guest today is Siri Nordheim, or Siri Nordheim, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, from ZNB Fitness and MyBar Fitness. I mentioned that right up front in the intro for two reasons. Firstly, to apologize that I'm saying ZNB because it does sound better as ZNB, but as a Brit, I just can't say it that way. And secondly, to let you know that there is a big announcement about Siri and her status at ZNB. So please listen out for that at the end of today's episode. You will also hear there is a part of the recording near the beginning of the interview where we switch from audio to video. So as ever, check out the YouTube version of the show if you want to see the video and graphics that I've included alongside the audio. And you also have the option there to switch on the captions to follow along with the conversation. I'm going to end the intro here. We have a slightly longer episode today because there's not one, but two catch-up recordings from previous guests at the end of today's show. So let's get started. And one and two and one and two. Hello, Siri. Hello. <laughs> I always feel self-conscious when I say hello to you because the obvious thing is you have a name which has now been usurped by a certain artificial intelligence program. Which is something which you must hear all the time now. All the time. <laughs> I'm going to say, hey, and then I'm going to just say something in between. And then I'm going to say Siri, because if I say it in one phrase, then people who are listening, their phones are going to react, aren't they? Exactly. I had to turn it off on my phone for that exact reason. Really? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I have heard so many jokes about my name. It's insane. But it's funny because when I was growing up, nobody knew my name. Like nobody has this name in Denmark. It's another one which is called Secret. Yes. Which is similar, S-I-G-R-I-D. So whenever I would say, my name is Siri, people would go like, what? Like, say it again, what? What is your name? They didn't get it, right? I always mm. had to spell it, even so simple. Mm. So growing up, I was always like, mom, why didn't you just name me like Catherine or Anna or something? Like, you know, everybody <laughs> knows. I was so annoyed. And then like, once I got older, I was actually appreciating having a special name. Mm -hmm. And then one day my uncle sent me an article. He was like, Siri, you're going to be famous. Your name is like taking over by Apple. And I was like, what? How so, funny. yeah, it's quite funny. Do you judge people if they make a joke about it too early? Well, everybody makes a joke about it right away. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's, see, okay, this is where I can actually empathize with you because I've got a strange name, right? Oscar, for a start. Yeah. It's the same story. My family just picked Oscar. <laughs> and in the UK, no one was called Oscar. Yeah. And then I've got a stupid last name, Fuchs, which is very similar to a swear word in English. Yeah. And then... I kind of owned it, but yours has sort of been taken away from you now. You can't really own it in the same way because now it has this other meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but most people, they always go like, really? And they are like so confused and they don't believe it. 
And some Chinese people are like, you chose it? I'm like, no, I did not. Right, because here they choose <laughs> exactly. their English names. All right. Well, some no, people I... have even asked if I become a millionaire. <laughs> have they paid you? <laughs> you should have trademarked it before they did. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I had to get that out of the way because I, I, I'm sure it's the least original thing that anyone's asked you. So this is just for the benefit of the listeners because they would be kicking me if I didn't ask you. Right. Well, what is it that you do here in China? I am a fitness instructor. I co-founded ZMB Fitness and MyBar Fitness. So I teach and work out for a living. Very succinct. I always appreciate that. <laughs> and what object did you bring that in some way represents your life? It's in my bag. I'll okay. get it for you. Here we go. Are you ready? <laughs> One, two, three. Are those socks? <laughs> yes. Okay. They are grip socks. Grip socks. I use them for my class every single day. Okay, explain. <laughs> I actually produced them myself. So I went to the factory to find the perfect grip and the size and everything. So basically, I have worn similar socks for the last 10 years mm -hmm. because I teach bar classes. So I wear grip socks in my class. And everyone has to wear these socks no, in your class? No, we recommend it, but you can do my class barefoot. Okay. But I always wear grip socks. It's like a part of my outfit. <laughs> Absolutely. And it just so happens that they're on sale there at the studio, no doubt. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well, you've already said a word that I'm not entirely sure of the meaning. You said it was in what class? Bar. B-A-R-R-E. Mm -hmm. Not the drinking bar, but okay. like a ballet bar. Oh, like the ballet bar. Yeah, 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 like the ballet bar. We use that in class, right? So we hold on to it and then we do all our plies and second position and... The difference is like it's it's not a ballet class. It's more like a fitness cardio kind of class. We start with a warm up about five minutes, then we move on to upper body where we use some small dumbbells to get like sculpted and toned arms for like ten minutes, and then we move on to the bar for all the ballet more movements. But we also do squats and lunges and stuff like that, and then we finish on the floor with push up and playing and core and a nice stretch at the end. I'm tempted to ask you to show me. So why don't you <laughs> take off your headphones and oh, why yeah? don't you hold on to that <laughs> as your bar? So like you can, you can go from second to first, like these movements, or you can have second up to a passe, <laughs> or second position holder here. We do releves where we lift, and we also do squat movements. So we also do with dumbbells, like these movements, and we do launches, all kinds of movements. <laughs> Very nice. No problem. Well, from what I could see, a ballet person would look at that and go, hang on, hang on. <laughs> she's not pointing her feet. She's doing it all wrong. Like, surely you must get that kind of feedback. Um, actually, not really. Okay. Like, the people who have ballet experience, as an adult, they love to come to this class because they remind themselves of, like, when they were young, like a little child dancing ballet. And now it's like you want different meaning with your body and, like, different meaning with your workout, right? Uh -huh. So, yeah, there's people who want to do, like, classical ballet, but that's a different workout. Our workout focus on toning your body, giving you cardio, a sweat. Like you can burn, I would say most average is between 400 to 600 calories for one hour. Well, that might be why you look like you look <laughs> if you're doing that every day. How many classes do you do every day? Um, in a week, I do about 10 to 12. Okay. It's, it's okay. Yeah. How did you get into it? Like were you a ballet dancer originally? No. Ah. <laughs> but I have a lot of dancing experience, so I'm just easily to adapt to a different style. Mm. Um, and I have a lot of fitness background. I've always been super active, like growing up. My background is actually, I was a merchandiser when I was in Denmark. So I came to Shanghai as a merchandiser. Mm -hmm. 
And then I wanted to work out, right? I always been working out in Denmark and I always been staying active. So I joined a gym at that time. Um, it was called California Fitness. Oh, yes. I know it well. Do you remember it? Well, I was in Singapore probably at the time that you were talking about. And they were also in Singapore. Yes, And, and they exactly. were in Hong Kong as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it happened that that instructor was saying to me, hey, you're a good dancer. You should join me. You should dance Zumba on the stage. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, I just want to be one of the students. Yeah. And he spent about a month to convince me. And finally, I was like, okay, sure, let's give it a chance. So I started to practice and learn the choreography. I flew to Hong Kong to do the training. This is in Zumba, you said? In Zumba, yeah. I started with Zumba. That was 2011. Zumba itself is a dance-based exercise program, Exactly. Right? It's like salsa, reggaeton, like kind of Latin dance, but with fitness. So I was in Hong Kong, I would say June 2011. And I did my training. I came back and I started to teach classes, just like... This was still as a hobby, right? You still had yes. your merchandiser job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But then one day in July, I came into the office to find an email that the company that I was working for went bankrupt. <laughs> They were being bought by another company. But in the meantime, we couldn't work. We didn't know how long it was going to take. So at that moment, I was just like, hey, I'm available. Like, I want to teach more. Like, let's do this. So we founded ZMB that summer and we just started to teach a lot more classes. When you say we, who do you mean? So my partner. We ah. both still had like our main jobs, right? Mm -hmm. So we just started this on the side. We went from like four classes a week to like two weeks later, it was 10 to one month later, it was 15. Like it just like expanded, right? Because also at that moment, fitness in Shanghai, like there was nobody speaking English. There was not a lot of Zumba. There was not a lot of options, right? So quickly we had like so many foreigners. They just talk very fast and then boom. <laughs> This sounds so familiar to me because we had in the first season, Vi Vu, who was one of the founders of FitFam. Oh, yeah. Talk about how she started that movement. And it was just the same. It was people would see what you're doing and they joined you. And then suddenly it's how many different FitFams yeah. around China. What about with your story? If you'd fast forward to today, what is the scale of ZNB? So in the last 10 years, we have opened up four studios and four gyms. Mm. We have done it completely organically. So we have no outside investments or anything. Like basically one studio got full and we were like, okay, time to open up a new one. Right. <laughs> so we expanded from the studio side to the gym side and we expanded our programs a lot more. So going from just having Zumba and Bar. So ZMB stands for Zumba and Bar. Oh, there you go. Um, there you go. <laughs> nobody knows, actually. <laughs> and nobody questions it. It's really funny. But also, like, in the British, you say, like, Z. And in America, you say Z, Correct. right? So people are a bit confused sometimes. But What do you say? Um, <laughs> it depends who I speak with. If people don't catch it, when I can see they're confused, I change it from Z to Z or Z to Z. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, so, so going from there to now having more than 30 different programs. Mm. And then we're opening two more gyms and studios very soon. Oh, gosh. I mean, this is always what I think. When I look at people who are in the fitness realm, like how do you scale up? Because a lot of it is to do with being one-on-one -on -one with your client, right? Mm. I, I myself work with our mutual friend, Tennessee. Oh, right, right, right. Hello, Tennessee. <laughs> And you have shown how that's possible. I mean, what are the difficulties of scaling in this environment? At the end of the day, it's a service business, right? So mm. you have to find people who is good with people. So your team is super important. The people who work for you are really important. And like, as you say, somebody like Tennessee, you want to come back again and again. Like you want more, you want more. Mm. That's how we scaled, right? Like we, we were really lucky to meet amazing instructors who has the passion for it. Like they love their job. They love what they're doing. We don't want people who just, oh, it's a, it's a job. Like go teach a class, leave again. <laughs> you know, like you want the ones who shows up 10 minutes early to speak with the client, have a little chat, stay longer. Like you, you build up a community. Now it's so big. So 
this feeling is a little bit different nowadays. Yes. But if you go to the same location, it would often be the same receptionist who would say your name and like the same trainer and so on, right? But back in the days, it was tiny. We were like a family. Well, we're talking about clients. So why don't I play you the audio of one of your clients? Okay. It was Joe McFarland who recommended oh, right. you from last season. So let's hear what she had to say. Well, I spend a lot of time in various fitness establishments, but there's one that I really love the most. Um, and Oscar, I think I've seen you in there too. It's called Z&B. And it's very inclusive because it is for locals and for foreigners as well. And it was set up by a Danish lady called Siri. Um, she is a very impressive lady and I think you'll enjoy talking to her a lot. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> How do you know Jo? Um, yeah, she's a member. But I always see her in a changing room and she's so lovely and smiling and happy. And, and yeah, and one day she was like, hey, like I did this podcast. Like I recommended you. Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Well, you said that you meet her in the changing rooms. It makes me think about the design of gyms and changing rooms being one part of the design. What goes into it? Oh, a lot of things. So if I scroll back to 2011, we were always renting a studio and it was horrible. Like when I think back, I was like, what were we doing? But we had no choice, right? Like we were mm. just renting studios. We were literally transporting the equipment in a suitcase, oh. moving from one to another. Most of the studios had no aircon, but we found a way to like make it work. So what happened is that the company I worked for, when I had to start working again, I was like, no, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot sit down on my ass all day looking at a computer. I'm like, I want to do something else. And I, I just wanted to give it a chance. So that same year, we found a studio that we took over and we did the renovation. Ah. We did the whole construction ourselves. But we learned a lot for sure. Like sometimes you are limited because of columns and pipes. The water is here and can only be here. Mm -hmm. So you can't do a classroom where the water is. You have to do the bathroom there, right? Mm -hmm. So we spend quite a lot of time. I've become really good at making straight lines. <laughs> <laughs> Drawing, like, where's the studio? Where's the room? Like, we have classes which is like yoga, which is more calm. We have classes with high energy, like Zumba, with a lot of sound, a lot of music. So these two classrooms, you don't want them too close. We discovered, right? Later on, we were like, oh, gosh, we shouldn't have put these two classrooms next to each other. Oh, you made that mistake the first time around, exactly. right? Exactly. Oh, so you learn. Like, as we go, we learn. And we learn, like, what happens when people have been in the shower? Where do they walk to afterwards? Okay. Like, foreigners walk straight to their lockers and change their clothes. Chinese walk straight to the hairdryer, for example, you know? like Really? Yeah. Um, queuing for toilets, we need a lot more space. Oh. <laughs> or, like, even in the gym. Like nowadays, people want a lot more like free space for their own like kind of hit cardio classes in the gym. Yes. Some of the machines that we bought originally like six, seven years ago, people don't want to use them anymore. So we have less equipment now. We also started to have like smaller lockers next to the reception for those who don't want to go into the changing room. At all. Yeah. They just want a quick like drop off into class, out of class. We don't want people to stay too long like and chill and hang out. So all mm -hmm. our reception areas are quite small. It's, it's check in, do your workout, like, you know, chat with your friends, go again. <laughs> That's true. In fact, when people do congregate in that area, especially in the one that I go to, you do feel like, wait, it wasn't designed for that. Exactly. Come in and then get You're out. You're here for a workout. <laughs> right. That's so funny that you say that because, you know, there are always these people. They're kind of sitting on the equipment, but they're doing their phone and everyone else is waiting. Like, oh, yeah. what are the things that make you crazy when you see it at a gym? Um... Well, sometimes the way people use the equipment, or mm. maybe they don't use it, but pretend. Go on. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely seen people lift weights where they're not lifting weights. <laughs> How? Um, just for photos or videos oh, or whatever, gosh, or like really? chatting with friends. 
We have also had situations where people haven't been dressed in a appropriate way, I would say. Oh, how do you mean? <laughs> um, like, for example, wearing denim skirt or denim hands or high heels or whatever. Like, Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Seriously, high heels? Yes. <laughs> just walking around in the gym and it just makes other people feel uncomfortable. Like, what is that person doing here? Like, why? I'm um, sorry, I won't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but we have clothes available to purchase. So if they really want to stay, like, they can do that. You're right. But it's just a funny moment sometimes. Yes. What about then when it comes to fitness fads? Because, you know, I've heard of all these other fads around the world. Why is bar not one of those? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, there's been quite a lot coming and out. I remember last year there was this kind of like, imagine a trampoline shoe. A trampoline shoe. Yeah, so you put on a shoe that oh, bounces. I've seen it. I've seen it. Right? Yeah, it's like so really big. It's like a massive like, exactly. clown shoe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can like jump around. So I was approached by this company asking if I want to start this class. And I look at this and I go like, no, no, no. Like sanitizing those shoes, cleaning them, the storage you need, right, for a class of 20 people and they're different sizes. And oh my God, I was just like, no way, no way. Um, so that's definitely been some funny, funny trends. There was also one a few years ago where you were drumming. Yeah, maybe it would be fun for a period, but... I mean, long-lasting, maybe not. Um, I've seen, like, a bungee one as well. A bungee one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the bungee one gives you, like, marks. <laughs> it's, <laughs> apparently, it's like, I haven't tried it yet, but I have lots of people who's gone. Like, I think it's fun to try, but in long-lasting, I don't know how addicted people can be to it. This is why I'm confused by the whole notion of doing what you're doing, because we're sitting here laughing at these other trends, right? But bar, you think, has more longevity. So bar actually was invented 20 or 30 years ago um, in the US. So it's not a new thing, but the way that we do it is different. So I have done four different bar programs. I loved some of each of them and kind of combined what I love and what I have learned before from my different kind of training from Zumba, Pilates, all the different kind of classes that I've taken and took the best of it all and created my bar. What makes it interesting still is that every class you go to is different. The movements you do and the routine challenge you every time. Mm. Nobody wants to go and do the same class again and again. It gets super boring. Mm. But you go to bar and like one day you do this and another day you do that. But it's all in the same like... Universe. Yeah. Hmm. The big fad that has been popular around the world the last sort of five years is CrossFit. And I'm surprised you haven't mentioned CrossFit. You're staying away from them? Totally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's a totally different vibe. Mm. Yeah. CrossFit is quite hardcore and like you have to kind of do a little test before you even can join the class. And I wouldn't mix. We're very different. Like mm. most of our classes are any level. Like you can walk into a bar class and I'll give you options. If you have just had a baby or you're pregnant or you're older, like it doesn't matter. Like it's for anybody. It's any level. CrossFit is, is a different different ball. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> People get injured, don't they? Yes. <laughs> Did I say that loud? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the trope, right? You see someone who, oh, I've just started CrossFit. And yeah. then two months later, yes. they're hobbling down the street. <laughs> yeah. And yet, for me, it's the one that I've heard of the most, right? Yeah. CrossFit. Everyone talks about CrossFit. I mean, yeah, I feel like not so much anymore. Like it had this hype like a few years ago and mm. it was super popular. People still do it, of course. Um but yeah, it's it's not it's not my vibe. Yeah, <laughs> yours is more low impact, right? <laughs> totally, long lasting, low impact. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Because I've always done functional training, which is what I would just call like just using your body and then using small weights. Yeah. And then now I'm using a few more machines, but there's something which is stopping me from doing that kind of class environment. I've always done it one on one with a trainer thing. Right. I've never done a class. 
I, I, maybe I, you would love it. Maybe I would, right? I'm just... I need someone to literally like walk me, like hold my hand, walk right, me right, in, right. put me in a trolley and then just wheel me inside, <laughs> dump the trolley and like, right, you have to do it now. <laughs> then I'm going to do it. But unless I'm really forced to do it, I'm that kind of lazy person. Oh, you totally can. At least once. Like, then you have tried it. You've done it. Okay. And then you know if you like it or not. Agreed. I am going to have to at one point go to one of these classes now. I'm going to drag your you ass. You are. You are. <laughs> and I'm saying it now on mic, so I have to do it. I mean... What you're saying is nothing that I didn't expect to come out of your mouth. You know, try it, you'll love it, blah, blah, blah. What about sometimes where it hasn't worked out? Have you had stories that actually hasn't been as positive? Oh, of course, of course. What what happens then? Um, I try to convince him to try another class. <laughs> 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 like if someone comes out, like I can immediately see if they liked it or not. And they're like, uh, you know what? Like, I mean, yeah, I sweated, but it wasn't really my vibe. Mm. I'm like, what are you into? What do you like? First of all, I need to know if they ever worked out, right? So if they have worked out, that's easier. Because then they already have a feeling of, oh, I'm not into that. Like, yoga is way too slow. Or, mm. like, I want more movement. I like dance. Like They already know what they want. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's the one who's never worked out, who's, like, kind of, like, walking in the door, looking around. Like, where am I going? What am I doing? This is new. I don't like this. I want to go away. Like, you want to find a way to make them comfortable and be, like, it's totally fine. Like, mm. just tell the instructor your first time. Like, do the smaller movements this time. Like, take it easy. But just, like, get a vibe of the class. They're a little bit harder because you want to get it right at the first time. Yes. Otherwise, you might lose them. I mean, do you even want those people? Because the ones who know what they want, they're the ones who are likely to already have the kind of self-discipline to come back. And obviously, that's what you want. You want mm. people who are going to have membership and come back. The ones who are on the fence, you have to put a lot of work into them. And then it might not pay off, right, in terms of the investment. It's true. It's true. So but I want everybody to work out. <laughs> and yes. I want, like, I want to spread the love for fitness and working out. Like, it's healthy. It's not just a business. Like, it's literally for your own sake, right? And that's the most important thing to me. But also another thing is that the government does really support it now, right? So we have seen so many more Chinese people working out now. Like some of my classes are all Chinese. Mm. And we talked about differences in the changing rooms between Chinese people and non-Chinese people. That's quite a funny one. What about in terms of how they accept training, in terms of how they motivate themselves? Do you see any big differences between Chinese and non-Chinese? I think for foreigners, most of them, they have come from their countries and working out. So when I say squat, they know it. When I say lunch, they know it. Whereas Chinese, they don't know it, right? So you this have is to just because they don't know the English oh, vocabulary. Um, no, <laughs> because I do it myself. Right? They can see on my body, oh. so they visually can see me, but they they don't do it right. So you have to educate them, but they learn really fast. And like after like a few classes, they they catch it, right? They get mm. it. Um, I do still see that some Chinese they don't really like to sweat a lot. Oh. Yeah. Whereas foreigners are just like, Pum! like let's go, like the more sweat the better, like they want to leave the class with their hair wet. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Chinese, they still always like wipe, wipe, wipe constantly, and like a little sweat is like, oh. Really, isn't that funny? So the appearances actually is quite important still. I think so, mm. and also with air condition, foreigners like, can you make it colder? They want like an ice cold room mm. because they're gonna sweat. Chinese is like, I don't, I want to stand under the air condition. <laughs> <laughs> they space themselves out to not stay in under the air condition because it's too cold, right? I don't know. I I, I always assume it was kind of like they don't like to drink cold water. Like yes, yeah, yes. they don't want the cold. Right? That's what I was thinking. Actually, <laughs> that's exactly the analogy. That's a good. I one. actually drink warm water myself. Me now. too. <laughs> I know it would change. I know totally. Like when somebody <laughs> served me ice, I'm like, hey, can you please remove that? <laughs> yeah, and it's true because it's a shock to the body. Totally, right? totally, yeah. it makes sense. Well, you're doing instruction yourself. You're running this business. You have other commitments to juggle, for example, a family, right? Mm. I do have a family, three children. <laughs> oh, 
Right. So you're juggling how many gyms and how many children? <laughs> Which ones take up more of your headspace? Oh, that's difficult. Actually, my kids are really independent, all of them. So they are really, really good. And everything flows very well. Like, it's all about balance. Mm. Obviously, most of the day, they're in kindergarten and school, right? So I can focus on my work. And then once they're home at night, I try not to work. So I try to, like, balance around that because otherwise they're just going to have, like, a frustrated mom <laughs> who can't be on either side, right? Yeah. CMB is open seven days a week, right? Like, you never stop working. Like, you never finish things. Like, there will yes. always be something so you just have to like stop time a little bit and like focus on the kids when they are there and when they need you. Do you have any time for yourself, actually? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I find time for sure. I've seen you out and about, so <laughs> I know the answer already. And you always look very glamorous. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Um, that's a good question. I do enjoy massage. <laughs> ah. I don't know. Like I... I'm very simple and easy. I like my sleep. So for me, like eight to 10 hours. I don't know. I just, I, I roll with it. Like for me, the seven days a week is, is, is every day is kind of the same. Mm. I don't really see the difference from Monday to, yeah. to Sunday. I like seeing it because, you know, I ran my own business for 10 years. And by the end of it, I was burnt out, really. Mm -hmm. So seeing you, you've been doing it for 10 years and you're radiating energy still. I mean, you're going to do it for 10 more years, right? Maybe more. Oh, wow. <laughs> You really seem to live in the now, right? Yes, very much. Mm. So I don't really think too far ahead. I just do feel that I will definitely still be working out when I'm like 70 years old. I'm positive of that. Oh, I am yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I will no definitely doubt. do that. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, like in the next 10 years, my focus is definitely bar. Like I want to mm. do trainings outside of Shanghai and do more in, in that kind of line. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, Siri. You're welcome. We are now going to go on to part two. Go for it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Did you have fun so far? So much. Oh. <laughs> you see, now I'm the instructor and this is the class. This is the <laughs> Mosaic of China class. It's a bit less energetic than your usual classes. Still fun. <laughs> That's the most important. Question one, which comes from Shanghai Daily. What is your favorite China-related fact? It's actually related to fitness. Um, fitness in Shanghai, like 2011... 1% were working out. Now, mm. 3%. That's really impressive, I think. Mm. Like, it's very low compared with the rest of the world. But I do find it fascinating. Like, in just 10 years, it's increased so much. Yes. And yet has so much further to go. This I know. Is, this is why you're in the right business. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing wasting time sitting with me? Go out there, open more gyms. <laughs> Next question comes from Rosetta Stone. Do you have a favorite word or phrase in Chinese? I do. Ni hen li hai. Ni hen li hai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I like that one. It's very positive. It's like you're doing good. Like, good job. Right. It's actually a phrase that somebody from season two also chose. Oh, yeah? It was Murray King, who works for Disney. Wow. And he liked Lehi. Actually, he liked it because it had two meanings. So you see the positive in everything. Right. But Lehi, actually, it can be strict. It can be something negative oh, in really? different contexts. Yeah. Oh. So if someone in work is Lehi, they, they can be sort of Thai Lehi. Oh. And then it's like someone who is too full on. <laughs> right. But of course you wouldn't know that because you just always think about the positives <laughs> in life. <laughs> yeah. Question three, which comes from Naked Retreats. What's your favorite destination within China? Ooh, am I supposed to say Naked <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to them? Yeah, it's a lovely. I have went to the one in Morgansan. It's super lovely. There very, very nice. Very nice. Um, but I recently went to Mingxi. Mingxi? Yeah, which is like right by the border of Vietnam. Mm. And we actually went on the river. 
And I was joking. I was like, if I jump in the water and swim like 10 meters that way, I am standing in Vietnam. Like you could see the boats on the other side with like the signs and the people there. And like, yeah, it's, it's Vietnam. That's the border. So that was super cool. Yeah, yeah. There's like rice field, um, small mountains, super warm, nice people. Yeah, I really, really, I would definitely come back there. I feel like you've really shown me something I've never even heard of. I know. <laughs> I'm actually surprised because normally it's a place I haven't been to. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I want to go to. But I've never heard of Mingxi. I am going to ask you for photos. I really want to see Yeah, it. it's gorgeous. If you left China, what would you miss the most and what would you miss the least? What I would miss the most, I do think that people here are super, super helpful. Not that they're not in Denmark, but I just saw the difference. Like, mm. it's just so different. When, when you're here, there's always somebody around you who can help you or like people are super kind to children. Like when I bring my kids out, I have 500 eyes around me, right? Yes. <laughs> They don't really care about privacy. They just see a cute kid and they will just dive right in, right? Right, right, right. Why is one is dark hair, one is light hair and green eyes? Like, how is this possible? Are all those <laughs> your... No, the question I get the most is like, are those yours? I don't feel like I look like one who maybe have three kids. <laughs> yes. Like the other day I was out with my eye and my kids and they went to my eye and said like, are those your kids? And she, she laughed so much, right? She was like, no, that girl there, it's hers. And they both were like, what? How is that possible? Should I ask you how old you are you? You can, now? I'm 33. Right, you got three kids at 33. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then what would you miss the least? Um, I think <laughs> one of the things I would miss the least is the high school fees. <laughs> oh. Those are insane. Yes. It's because you want to go to the international school. You have to. You have to? You can't, like, with a foreign passport, you can't go to local. Okay. But no matter what, they are international kids, right? I want them international school. There you go. So you won't <laughs> miss paying the fees. <laughs> and that's only one so far. Are you already paying for all three? Well, the first one is in school, second one kindergarten, and the last one he's starting next year. So oy, oy, oy. Yes. this is why you have to open two more gyms. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that still surprises you about life in China? Within fitness, six, seven years ago, my class was 99% foreigners. Now it's 99% Chinese. Like they are developing constantly with fitness and much more into it. And they're trying different classes, trying different things. They do bar one week and then they do another class next week. And I see the changes on their bodies. And some of them don't even speak English. And they're coming up and they are like translating on their phone. And they go like, thank you, teacher. I love you. Oh. <laughs> and stuff like that, right? Or they come up and they're like, can I have your WeChat? And they would send me a message and I was translating. And they go like, I'm sorry, my English is so bad, but I want to say thank you for class oh. and like stuff like that, right? That's really it's sweet. It's very, very sweet. I think people here are very open-minded, interesting, trying new things. Well said. Next question, which comes from Smart Shanghai. Where is your favorite place to go out, to eat or drink or just hang out? I am actually really flexible. I love hanging out with my friends. So wherever they go, I go. But there's definitely a few places we often come back to, like Italo, Funkadeli. Recently, we've gone a lot to Bonica. That's where I saw <laughs> you last. Yeah. Yeah. Super nice vibe. Super cool environment. Um, yeah. We just kind of like see what's new, what's happening. And sometimes like go back to the good old ones. You know, you know what you're getting. Yes. <laughs> you know the vibe when you get there. Yeah. Next, what is the best or worst purchase you've made in China? So I think the best is probably my investment into CMV and my bar, yeah. which happened 10 years ago, right? Like I designed our my bar balls and stretch bands. So I'm very proud of that. And I'm very happy that we have this and it's produced by me and for this class. So that's definitely one of the things that I'm like, yeah, it works. It really works. Like we use it for the workout, right? Got it. <laughs> 
What is your favorite WeChat sticker? Did you see it? <laughs> okay. Well, which one do you want to start with? So I love anything with animals. <laughs> so my first one, how many monkeys? Like four or five monkeys? Yes. Sitting on the back of a yellow car with their hands up in the air going like, woohoo. Yes. <laughs> It's one of my favorites. Yeah, that one is like just so high energy and it just makes me laugh when I see it. Yeah. Um, what's my second one? Oh, that's so, okay. So this is a dog, <laughs> like a big wolf dog jumping on the floor, like goofy, happy, like. It's almost you know. like how a horse would walk. But yes. It's this dog. But it's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> when do you use that? What in what context? Um, like oh, see you later, or like good job today in the class. <laughs> right. I'm on my way. Yay! See you soon. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to steal that dog one. Yeah. <laughs> what is your go-to song to sing at KTV? <laughs> you know what? The funny thing is I only been to KTV like five times. In 10 years. Yeah. But I enjoy it every time. It's, it's really fun. But <laughs> um, something like 90s, something from when I was like a little girl. It can be like Britney, Beyonce. Wannabe is always a classic. Wannabe? Like Spice Girls. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And when was the last time you went actually? That was actually not long ago. I was at a friend's birthday and that was at a KTV a few months ago. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where you don't think about it these days, but when you go, it is still good, right? Exactly. Nice. <laughs> and the last question, which comes from JustPod, which is the studio we're sitting in now. What or who is your biggest source of inspiration in China? It's the people around me. Like, it's my friends. Like, I have such a diverse, inspiring group of women and I find a lot of motivation in people around me. It can be like a girlfriend, like she recently started her own business. It's totally different from my business because nowadays it's harder, right, to start a business here. Yes. And I think the market is much more developed. So she's always like trying to find new ways and like she doesn't stop. She doesn't give up. Or it can be another mom, like with her family, with her kids, like hearing how their life is or something happened or whatever, like how she's dealing with that. It can be another instructor who is struggling with class or me or even just somebody who is super positive. Like I have mm -hmm. a girlfriend who is so happy. You think I'm happy? Like she's more happy. <laughs> <laughs> and she just makes me feel like how she gives her positive vibes to me. Like I want to give that to other people. Well, you've succeeded today. <laughs> I'm floating <laughs> thanks to being in this room with you. Thank you very much, Siri. You're welcome. And if you had one person who you'd recommend that I interview in the next season of Mosaic of China, who would you recommend? So I have chosen Raphael because he's very successful in bringing in brands from outside of China. And specifically, he brought in fast food, a fast food brand, and then he's grown it in China. <laughs> uh, I won't mention the brand. Okay. <laughs> You'll probably find out soon. Um, but yeah, he's he's been very critical in making this happen. And I want to get into his brain. I want to hear his, his <laughs> opinions and ideas. And I want to hear his podcast. Well, if there's something which is almost the opposite of yes. what you're doing, it's <laughs> someone who is working in fast food, right? And if there was one thing that you would ask him, what would you ask Raphael? But the thing is, like, when I'm with him, I just fire questions, you know. I don't really think about it. I know, it's a tricky one because this is the one that's going to be in the podcast. I know, I know. It's like, you have one shot, Siri. Let's go. Um, can I ask, like, why fast food? Like, with, with a guy like him who is into fitness, healthy lifestyle, works out every single day at five in the morning, why fast food? Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Well, thanks again, Siri. Welcome. 
I already mentioned during the interview with Siri that there's a nice overlap with a previous episode of the show, namely with Vivu from FitFam in Season 1, Episode 8. The other episode I would recommend as an accompaniment to today's is with the ultramarathon athlete Greg Nance from Season 1, Episode 23. That one is definitely not to be missed. And Siri is only the second Scandinavian in the show so far. The first was the Swedish clown Björn Dahlman from Season 2, Episode 17. I said at the beginning of today's show that there was an update about Siri's status at ZNB Fitness. And that is that after 10 years, she has parted ways with the ZNB brand, and exactly as she mentioned in the recording, she wants to focus just on the B part, bar, and the brand MyBar. She and her MyBar partner, Anne, are busy designing and building their new studios, which will be opening by the end of the year. So we can all in our minds imagine Siri right now going back to drawing those straight lines again and planning how far to place the hair dryers from the showers in the changing rooms. In the meantime, they are also creating a mini program for online classes, so watch out for that in the near future. Good luck, Siri. It's really nice that this episode can exist as a way to honour your last 10 years and to plant a flag for the next phase in your life. Before we wrap up today's show, just two reminders. The first is to check out all the extra images on social media for today's episode, including her object, her favourite WeChat stickers, photos from her favourite destination, which is pronounced Mingshu, it's down in Guanxi province, photos with her kids, etc, etc. On the topic of kids, Siri was worried that she came across as a little conceited in the episode for saying that people are surprised she has three kids. No, it's not conceited. I myself couldn't believe it when I first met her, so I can attest that this is just a fact. Anyway, as an extra bonus on social media, I've included a video of myself at ZNB. In case any of you were under the illusion from today's episode that I'm some kind of gym rat, this video will set the record straight. Find me on Oscology on Instagram or Mosaic of China on Facebook and WeChat. And the second reminder is of course to head to the Mosaic of China website to learn how you can subscribe to the premium version of the show where you will find around 15 minutes of extra content per episode. Here are some clips from today's extended interview. Is it a Danish name? No, it's Norwegian, actually. Oh, so you're Norwegian? No, I'm Danish. <laughs> okay. Was that before WeChat? No, there was no WeChat. Right. I don't even remember what we used. How can you be there for 200 people or 500 people or 1,000 people, right? I mean, everybody is different. Everybody has a different background. Body positivity, right? If you make them too small, too big, too high, too narrow, now we found a standard that seems to make everybody happy. Nobody used them anymore. Mm. So we don't even purchase them now for the gyms. And then I went to Denmark for like nine months. Oh, you were one of those people who were out for nine months? <laughs> yes. They have major investment. They want to expand in five minutes. It's just not possible. Checking out other people at the gym, that's a thing, right? Oh my God, totally. <laughs> Mosaic of China is me, Oscar Fuchs with artwork by Denny Newell. Coming up next, we have two really great catch-ups. The first is with the person who referred Siri to the Mosaic, Joe McFarland, the product sourcer for Sainsbury's and Argos from Season 2, Episode 18. 
And then after that, there's a second catch-up with Jorge Lucio, the marketing leader for Coca-Cola, from all the way back in Season 1, Episode 5. And we'll be back with Season 3, Episode 5, next time. Oh, hello. Good to see you. You too. So obviously we are doing this remotely. So where do I find you today, Joe? I'm in St Albans, a small city just north of London, which is very pretty. Well, I know it well. My hometown is not far from that in northwest London. You managed to hop out of Shanghai while it was quite tough over here. What was your story back then? Well, so I mean, like everybody else, I was locked down in my apartment. You know, they said three days, which turned into like two and a bit months. But actually, I'm glad I didn't know it was going to be that long. (laughs) But then um, I had already planned a trip to the UK. So I engineered the great escape. In fact, I was just thinking the last time you and I saw each other in the flesh was very interesting. That was two nights before we went into lockdown. That's right. And it was all like, what the hell is going on? You were one of the last people that I saw yep. before lockdown. Like I said, yeah. Well, let me jump in and just explain to anyone listening, for those who did not hear our original episode in season two, you are in charge of sourcing goods from China for Sainsbury's, which includes the Sainsbury's supermarket chain, but also Argos, which is another massive high street retail brand in the UK selling general merchandise. And for those who are not from the UK, you might not realize those brand names, but a massive amount that comes from China to UK would be basically under your purview. So if you haven't listened to Joe's original episode, then definitely go back and do so right now. But let me continue, though, because I want to talk about what's happened since that time. We talk about supply and demand here. So let's start with demand. What would you say things are like now? Have things generally normalized? Being here now in the UK, I can tell you it's expensive. People are paying almost double for some of their utility bills, like gas, electricity, etc. You know, food is phenomenally expensive here. So the whole cost of living here has gone up exponentially. So people are spending a lot less money on um, non-essential items. Also, people bought everything in sight during COVID. So all those people who bought new TVs, new washing machines, whatever, they don't need them. And the third thing is that people were locked in their houses for almost two years. So rather than spend the money that they do have on consumer goods, people want to spend it on experiences. You know, people want to go on holiday. They want to go outside. They want to do different stuff. All of those three things added together has made business pretty tough globally. Yeah. So it will have a big effect on China because the factories are seeing orders being cancelled right, left and centre. Now, I have been in this business a long time, Oscar, so these things are cyclical. (laughs) So whilst it is very challenging at the moment, it will come back at some point. And being extreme because, of course, we do still sell lots and lots of stuff. And people are buying luggage. So, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so we, uh, of course, we didn't sell any luggage during lockdown. But of course, people now we were selling lots of luggage. Interesting. Thank you for that update. On the supply side, it hasn't been all roses either. Let's switch to China. Since our recording, there was that incident with that ship crashing into the Suez Canal. But there oh, yeah. seem, seems to be continued issues when it comes to logistics and costs and COVID-19 restrictions in China. What are the issues that you are contending with from the supply side right now? As we know, China is very much about 
um, relationships. relationships. Yes, I knew you'd say that. (laughs) So you're not getting those those meetings, those face to face. And that's the stuff that gives creativity, that creates new ideas, that pushes things forward. And because we're now like getting close to three years of not having that, I think it's a real hindrance to the movement forward of of things that we want to do. I can imagine, you know, when things go wrong, which often happens, of course, in manufacturing, you're slightly less patient, you know, you're more likely to say, oh, what are those guys doing? You don't even know who they are these days. People who were doing that job maybe have moved on to other jobs. There are people who've never even met these suppliers. I can just imagine the cascading effect. Well, that's a good point, Oscar, because the other thing that did happen, we had a vast amount of people decided to change jobs. And I don't just mean in our business. I mean, right across the UK. Yeah. So consequently, we did have a big churn of colleagues, as did everyone. So we do have, to your point, a lot of new colleagues, which in a way is great because it gives, you know, freshness to the business. But where it's not so good as you do lose a lot of the expertise. Um, and, you know, factories like, you know, long-standing relationships with people. The world that you're describing is one that is held together with a massive stretched band-aid. And, you know, it's, it's now coming up to three years, as you say. And it's like, how long can this band-aid continue to stretch, right? We're all feeling it, but you are giving yeah. a different angle to it from that business perspective. That's the bit that's difficult for all of us out here, yourself included, is the unknown and people have decided that they just can't do it anymore yeah so we will be releasing this catch-up at the same time as the episode of siri so when was the last time you saw siri i haven't seen it for ages (laughs) because because i've been here and because of lockdown yeah this year has been a bit of a write-off yeah, so, yeah. which is funny because even though you are about 20 kilometers from my hometown in the UK, it feels like I'm on Earth One and you're on Earth Two, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, it's great to see you, Joe. You are always cheerful, even though times uh, are tough. Let it be not too long before we are having another drink back here in China. I hope so, Oscar. Thank you, darling. You're welcome. Anytime. Hey, Jorge. How are you, my friend? All the better to see you. You're looking great. It's just a little tan. <laughs> it's starting my day, 8.30, coffee's ready, and from now on, non-stop calls until 7. Oh, God. All right. Well, I won't keep you very long. And already, it will be clear to people listening that we are not in the same place. Where the hell are you? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, United States. Which happens to be the headquarters of which company? Coca-Cola Company. And for people who didn't hear your original episode back in season one, at that point, you were the head of marketing for Sprite and Fanta in China, correct? That's correct. Yes. We had a catch up recording in the last season, which was season two. You were still in Shanghai. But at that point, you were working on emerging categories, right? Which was the alcoholic drinks Coca-Cola were developing at that point. So what is your role now that you are in the headquarters? Well, I'm the lead of the juice portfolio. The flagship brand is Minute Made. So I lead that brand for North America, the US and Canada. Well, there you go. So it's totally different to your life back here. You, you would have left China, what, about a year ago at the time of this recording? Yeah, so it's been a year. Yeah, it's completely different. Coming to the headquarter, you would tend to think that this is it, right? So this is like a, the epitome of everything that is Coca-Cola about. 
But my biggest realization was that um, I'm working in a different company. Oh. <laughs> Completely different. And it comes by the fact that it's the biggest. So it has a lot of power. So the way that we've been doing things historically has been quite different to the rest of Coca-Cola way of doing things in the world. It's been allowed to get away with things that other markets can't. <laughs> Correct. I think that um, it's about being consumer-centric uh, versus customer-centric. Um, consumer versus customer? What's the difference? Consumer is like the end user of your product versus the concentration of trade in five players. So the Walmarts, the McDonald's of the world. So the push for innovation comes from them. Uh, and it's about like, hey, I need oh. to fill out. I need to fill out these aisles and I need to you know, refresh these categories corporations are the one driving the innovation. Yes, I can see exactly what you mean, because, you know, your customers are actually a barrier in between you and the consumer. That's uh, very interesting. I would never have even realized that. But of course, it makes sense. Listen, you've got a big day, which you're about to start. So let me ask you the final question, which is, you know, when people leave China, it's always good to cross check on what they originally said they would miss the most and miss the least if they left China. So now that this is a reality for you, let me remind you what you said in your original episode. And you said that the thing that you would miss the most was WeChat stickers. And the thing that you would miss the least was people burping in public. <laughs> so, so what is the real answer now that you have been out of China for a year? The speed. Um, uh, future thinking, I miss that a lot. The way that we question things and we see problems, develop solutions, quite impressive. And I miss that. What is the thing that you miss the least? I don't know, being too far away from, from people because you tend to get a bit isolated. And um, Totally. Oh my God, yeah. that's how I feel right now. <laughs> yes, we spent five years there. And you, you tend to be like so overwhelmed by everything that you're leaving there because it's fantastic and it's an amazing life. Uh, but still, like every time that you want to see someone, it's like 20 hours flight. <laughs> you are from Venezuela, so I, I can see why that would be your answer. Because now that you are based in the States, it's a much shorter flight. It's also the reason why... I have never been to South America because it's always been 30 hours away. So at some point when I do leave, it'll be great to travel to Latin America with you. But at the very least, I hope that I can see you in person before too long. Jorge, thank you so much for being part of this project. I know that we are in contact outside of these recordings, but it's always good to get you on record. It's a nice way for us to at least track your career every year or so. So I look forward to continuing to do this. Thanks so much, man. Thanks a lot. I miss you guys. And I love this project. You know, I've been there since day one. Thank you for making me part of it.